Welcome to another episode of In the Lab with Hoopsology. I'm Matt Thomas, joined as always by my best friend and co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Doing really well. How about yourself? Doing good, man. You know, it's funny. I I was, um, you know, we do our show prep and all that stuff before we get into these. Uh, and uh, I was thinking beforehand, like earlier this week, oh, what are, what are we going to talk about this week? You know, it's not quite all-star time though that is approaching and lo and behold i mean you just do a quick search and there's a plethora of interesting things to talk about today and some news that just broke earlier this afternoon so we'll be covering all that and more we've got some college sports that we want to talk about uh a little bit of of news there just i think in an interesting interaction that went down we'll say we've got a little player comparison. We've got the Bulls Ring of Honor, or maybe it's the Ring of Dishonor. <laughs> we'll throw it to you for that, Justin. And we have a pretty big trade that went down that we've been alluding to maybe happening for a little while on the show. So all that and more. Want to remind you before we dive in that you can check our catalog of interviews, many of which are evergreen here on the YouTube channel or anywhere you're doing podcasts. As always, subscribe, like, share, comment. We appreciate all your guys' support. So, Justin, let's jump in to our first main topic. And there was an interesting player comparison that went down on the pregame show for Inside the NBA. And I want to go ahead and pull this up and get your thoughts on it after we play this clip. Sure. Sure. Best point. This is best, best point guard. guard. Or best league guard. Best league guard. He's a point guard. That's true. He's a point guard. He's a league guard. He has a high usage rate and controls the flow of the Hey, game. listen. I, I, I mean, what is a point guard nowadays? Take him, Shaq, or Luca? I'm going to have to take him. Wow. I'm talking Luka's about SGA. Player, but this kid, listen, he plays the right way, uh, gets his teammates involved. When he puts his head down, goes to the basket, no one. Shaq, we're talking about right now. I'm talking about right, right now. Right now? Right now? Right now. Yeah. I'm taking him right now. He's he's definitely he's definitely emerged as one of my favorite players to watch. Because I like I like I like stories like this. Guys yes. that come out of nowhere and then they're forced to be reckoned with. He's a hell of a player right now. Best point. This is best, best point. Guard. So I did think this was interesting. And by the way, that's Shaquille O'Neal, if you couldn't recognize it, talking about Shea Gilgis Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Candace Owens was on there as well. Um Candace Parker. Oh, phew. Candace Parker, excuse me, uh, definitely not Candace Owens. Um, and so okay, uh, Jamal Crawford <laughs> as well. And they were discussing who would you take between SGA and Luka Doncic. And, you know, Candace Parker, a little surprised. We're talking right now. And Shaq says, I think right now I am taking SGA. And I just found this to be the, the more I kind of played it in my mind, uh, kind of an interesting player comparison. So Justin, I'll, I'll just throw it to you bluntly first. I, I don't agree with Shaq's rationale here and talking about, you know, kind of an underdog story that comes out of nowhere. I mean, that doesn't make you a better player than Luka Doncic right there. But is there any merit to this comparison? Is there sort of a way you can kind of steel man the SGA side of this argument? Or do you think otherwise <laughs> uh you stole my point because i i 100 agree with you 
Like, I think the better story, the more compelling story is SGA, but they're talking about who's the better player. I mean, look at the stats. I mean, Luca, 33 points a game, eight rebounds, nine assists. So it's just weird for him to say, like, SGA gets his teammates involved. Luca almost has 10 assists per game. He's almost averaging a triple double. Like, I don't know. It's not like he's just averaging 40 with like one assist. Like, <laughs> he's clearly getting his teammates involved. But I think looking at it for me, and a lot of fans may disagree with this, but I tend to look at what you do in the playoffs. And we've seen Luca in high pressure situations, and he has performed. Now, has it been in like the NBA finals or, you know, on a super, super high level? No, but is it higher than SGA? I would say, yeah. But at the same time for SGA, we haven't really seen him in that position yet. So I think to make that comparison between the both of them, we need to see SGA in those super high pressure situations. We haven't seen it yet. But as of now, you take a look at both their teams. The Mavericks are fifth. OKC is second. You have to take a look at you know the players around them. I would say Oklahoma City probably has the better team compared to the Dallas Mavericks. And their records are pretty comparable. I mean, they're separated by a few games there. It's not like um, OKC has a dramatic um, advantage in terms of the standing. So to me, I would probably roll with just Luka at this point. And I agree with your rationale. Like this, the player, the better to watch. I mean, they're both entertaining in different ways. Um, it's kind of your preference. I think you could have a conversation about, I think it kind of points to, I think a little bit of like international bias. Mm. <laughs> I it, I just smelled that to Interesting, me. Yeah. Like he's just kind of an outsider. Luca, you know, he had, you know, he's coming from Europe and everything. Cause I think I've heard Chad kind of make the same similar comments about European players. Um, so I find that very interesting as well. But just the the narrow it down, I think Luca's the, the better player. But you know, not that not by much. And that that gap could be narrowing when we see the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think it is interesting. And there are some points here for SGA. I totally agree with your point about the playoffs, and we just haven't had a chance to see SGA in that pressure cooker. So yeah, that's pending. We need to see that presumptively that that's going to happen this season. He'll get his first taste of that playoff action. So we need to see that where I would say you maybe have a case to build for SGA, two things, defensive end, very good perimeter defender in, in spite of being a primary scorer, uh, a lead guard, as they were saying in that clip for this OKC Thunder team, but also a guy that I think it's fair at this point to speculate do teammates like playing with Luka Doncic better or SGA better? Like who are they working harder for with that person being the leader of the team? And I think it's fair to speculate. We've had some chemistry things in Dallas in the past. Maybe that's resolved at this point. You know, I'm not sitting here trying to bury Luka. Obviously we both know and agree he's incredible. We've picked him as an MVP <laughs> candidate uh, in the past. Um, and obviously everyone knows Luca puts up his numbers, but I do think watching them play SGA to me feels like he's probably more fun to play with. Yes. Luca gets a lot of assists, but a lot of that are kind of what I would call Rondo assists where you hold the ball till the end of the possession. And then you get Luca holds the ball till the end of the possession and then passes it off uh, at the very end of the shot clock, you know, which look, Luca's incredible. SGA is incredible at the end of the day. 
I think the biggest thing that has changed, if if we really want to be honest, is that now SGA has a better roster around him than Dallas does. Whereas even though Dallas has made some changes, brought in some players, you know, brought in Grant Williams this year, for example, overall, there haven't been drastic changes to that roster like there have been in OKC for SGA. No, I agree. And I think it could be, you know, a beginning of a great rivalry as well. Um, it's great to see these young players. I think I heard Shaq. Was it Shaq or Kenny? Um, I think it was Shaq saying, like, he was kind of worried about, like, the future of the league just because of, like, all these players, you know, leaving. It's just like, there's plenty of great young players in this league. I don't know what you're talking about. Even Charles is like, that's the evolution of sports. Like, people retired and people rise up and take their place. So um, I think this is just a good example of the future of the league is in, is in healthy hands for sure. A lot of talent in the league. Common theme of our show, for sure. Can't argue with that. Next, uh, SGA. Just to kind of update on a story, speaking of that deep roster, it does look like the roster is going to be staying a little more intact than we maybe would have thought about a month ago. Um, And what I mean by that is updating on a story that we've covered previously on this show. Just wanted to let you guys know that it came out today. Josh Giddy will not face criminal charges after investigation into alleged underage relationship per TMZ. Take that with a grain of salt if you want, but they have broken stories before. So the case is closed. Basically kind of where we left off seemed like charges might not be pressed. Even if there is guilt in that situation, Who's to say these are allegations? So, you know, I don't want to go speak out of line or anything, but um, we can now say it's it's safe to assume he will be around for this season. I want to move next, Justin, to your neck of the woods, at least in terms of basketball fandom, and that is to talk about the ring of honor that went down earlier this week in Chicago, everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people that grew up, especially in our generation, loved the nineties bulls. Even if you weren't a bulls fan and Michael Jordan was just iconic. Of course, the six titles, this feels like leading into it. It's going to be a big deal to have this ring of honor in Chicago, bringing all these greats together. Well, there are a couple problems with this, For one thing, um, there's a situation of booing uh, for towards the deceased Jerry Krause. Uh, His widow was there to accept um, kind of the honor for him. You can watch that clip if you want. It's it's rough to watch. I don't recommend it. We're not going to play it here. Um, And then you have the issue also of many of these bulls that were instrumental to the Ring of Honor not being there. And I want to play just a little clip here from Charles Barkley's reaction to this again, going back to inside the NBA. I won't play the full thing, but we'll just play a little bit of this to hear that. I want, I want to be very careful here because, you know, Chicago, I love that city, but what happened in Chicago the other night was a disgrace. It was a the, flat out disgrace. The booing of Jerry Krause, the his, late Jerry Krause. The, the booing of having that, that his yeah. wife cry like that. That was wrong on so many levels. Michael and Scotty and Dennis not showing up. That was wrong. 
it was a complete disgrace to the legacy of the Chicago Bulls. They are a, they've always been a great, great organization. But to, to, for that thing to go down, like that, not to have the greatest player in your organization there and won six championships and Dennis and Scotty and first of all, they, I don't even know why you would put a hundred guys in the ring of honor anyway. That's just stupid. But what those fans did to Mrs. Krause, that was not cool. And we, as we, they, they owe that lady, everybody involved that owe that lady an apology. What? All right. So that's uh, a clip from inside the NBA there. And of course, if you watch the show, you know, Justin is an avid Bulls fan. So I want to give you the floor, Justin. What what were your thoughts seeing all, yeah. all this go down? Yeah. So apologies if I'm talking for a bit here, but I have a ton of thoughts. Um, first, just about the Ring of Honor concept. So take a look at the Chicago Bulls. If you if you're a fan of '90s basketball, you know that the eras are pretty much cut in half, right? You have the, and I would say maybe in three eras. So you have like the '80s teams, which they did not win the championship. You have the Early, you have the first three-peat, and you have the second three-peat. So to me, inducting, if I am a crib from wrong, Matt, they inducted one team into this ring of honor. So I find that a little, I find that pretty baffling, to be honest, because to me, just to make it easier with all these guys, you induct eras. You just, the second three-peat, the first three-peat, and then, Maybe the earlier Jordan years. And those are a lot of guys in there. Now, I will yeah. say with um, Rodman, Scotty, and Jordan, the weather was terrible. I know Dennis was planning on being there. I know with Dennis also, there was a lot of just, I think, I don't know, you can kind of look this up and go into the rabbit hole, but there were some issues with this him and the uh, United Center. Uh, I think those were pretty much uh, squashed in terms of any beef or any kind of weirdness of him being there because he was at the United Center for um, a wrestling event. <laughs> and it's kind of weird because it was for wrestling, but he was talking more about his relationship with the fans. It's kind of like a good, I don't know, therapy session just for him just to be back in the United Center. So I think I know he was looking forward to it, my guess. So I would say in terms of Scotty, Jordan, and Rodman, I would blame weather and I would blame just the logistics of Chicago doing this not them in my in my opinion well jordan um, had a recorded message right he did correct um but to me it's one of those things if they were to take this super serious i personally think you just do it like in the preseason and you just plan it out to make sure that everybody's there um, right that's how i would do it and then also with like it's it's one of those things too like do you want to have jordan and scotty like these guys are busy induct them three times like i don't <laughs> it's just peculiar to me i just to, to do eras is weird there's do players just hey jordan goes in give them their own night um so just the way they planned it out was i think poor on the bulls organization part i, um, I think you can do i mean it's common like for the jersey retirement that's an individual thing. Yeah, the ring totally. of honor is kind of more team concept. It's more team concept. I agree with you in like, it was just you know, weird. Probably yeah. as best as you can line up, like the span of careers. Like yeah. Just split up with an era. So you don't have these guys coming in like 10 times. I mean, even if you did, even if you split it, 
between the two three-peats. I mean, you got a lot of similar faces between those two groups, but the overlap doesn't feel weird. Anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're right. And to me, it's just if you have just Jordan come in the first time, you you can send a message the second time. We just, you know, I think it just make it a lot easier. So I blame the Bulls organization for the planning of it in terms of just how this was presented from we're, we're addressing Charles's comments about um, Jordan Pippen and Robin not being there. That's number one. Number two, a positive. It was cool to see Luke Longley there. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw that, but Luke Longley was doing a ton of interviews. He was in Chicago. That was really cool. I think that was his first time in Chicago in like so many years. Really mm-hmm. cool to see. Um, so that was awesome. I just, just to see just him there. This is, I think just to whatever feelings and, you know, whatever, things he had from the last dance we covered that extensively just through his own documentary that came out in australia had the producer on discussing that years back check it out in the archive if you want to see it um that was cool to see luke longley um take place in that in in that interview and just get the media coverage and just be honored as well now addressing the comments so (laughs) full honesty when i heard it let me ask you a question matt if his widow was not there right if it was just like they mentioned his name and no one, no representation was there. It'd be impossible. But just hypothetically speaking, no one was there. How would you feel about the audience booing that situation? See, that's that's a question I wanted to bring up too. Um, is are we jaded because of the picture that the last dance and you know, Jordan apologist, you could say, or however you want to phrase it are we a little bit jaded because of the picture that has been painted from that when really I think, especially talking 25 years later, I mean, to win six titles as a GM, uh, incredible. I, <laughs> I just think at, at this point, I don't know. I, I don't think the bulls were necessarily winning that next year had all of them stayed together with how off the rails things were going. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I remember in the moment, granted when I was much younger thinking, feeling the same way about bulls ownership, uh, and was kind of like a reason. I mean, for one thing, I don't have ties to the area of Chicago, but, but was kind of a thing that was like, Oh, I could never be a bulls fan and see that. But then you go back and look at it. Now you're our age and you see how iconic that franchise still is how you kind of feel when you see that Bulls logo having grown up through that era, at least for me, personally speaking, I mean, I, I would hope that I would feel gratitude for that at this point, but clearly that is, that is not the case for a lot of people. A lot of people disagree with that. Let me read you this passage. Now a lot of people kind of (laughs) may knock the source, but I think what I'm going to read to you comes from confirmed sources. So this is from Wikipedia, but I think this is pretty much public knowledge. So um, Krause and just about Jerry Krause, um, Jerry Krause and head coach Phil Jackson have been friends for years, but the relationship was in Jack Phil Jackson's opinion shattered in the early nineties after Chicago Tribune reporter, Sam Smith published a book about the 1991 title team. I'll just move on after a contentious negotiation between Phil Jackson and the bulls in that same period, Jackson was signed for the 1997-98 season only. Krauss announced that signing. Krauss announced the signing in what Chicago media widely considered a mean-spirited manner, empathizing that Jackson would not be rehired even if the Bulls won the title that year. That triggered an argument between Jackson and Krauss, in which Jackson essentially told Krauss that 
he seemed to be rooting for the other side and not the Bulls. At that point, Krause told Jackson, quote, I don't care if it's an 82-0 season, you're effing gone. Krause was widely quoted as saying players and coaches don't win championships, organizations win championships. The statement particularly offended Michael Jordan, and it has for years. However, Krause said that original phrasing was that players and coaches don't alone don't win championships, organizations win championships. So there is a lot of bad blood here yeah. between the players, the fan base, and Krause. And I have to admit, when I first heard about this before hearing about um, Krause's um, widow, um, I had the feelings of my initial reaction was good that they booed him, being honest. Without, without seeing the video, without seeing anything, I understand, I understand those feelings. However, like you're saying that, number one, you have to value what he brought to that organization. Number two, it was about that team. So they won the title. So to me, it's right. just like, why are you booing him? It's not to me. It's just well, full stop. You don't yeah. boo the widow, right? No, but I but, mean, <laughs> but but let me let me but, get, yeah, yeah. get to the point. I think in terms of his widow being there, the trauma on her face. I think for Bulls fans to let their emotions about a basketball game and about their own feelings about the um, just their nostalgia memories. I think compared to just having empathy for somebody for a widow there grieving their their loved one, I think was absolutely despicable. Despicable. Well, and I get and the his, feelings. His life's I, work. His life's which yeah, is it, greater than almost everyone who's done that job. And, almost and, everyone. And you see that the, his widow is there, and to boo in that situation, I think is time and place. I mean, if you want to just talk about destroys, you know his legacy or whatever on sports talk, radio, podcast, have at it, whatever. But in terms of that situation, I think a lot of empathy is required in that situation. I think they failed in that regard. And I think yeah. it goes to Julia Poe's point. She was, uh, we had her on the show, reporter for the Chicago um, Tribune. This speaks to what she was talking about in terms of, I think that town and not being able to fully move on from that era. Like, and and partly, I don't blame. Is partly I understand those feelings because that era was not. I think it, it was a highly unusual era in sports because I would say compared to the Patriots, compared to um, other eras and other sports, that Bulls era really was the catalyst of the NBA to now, in my opinion. Yeah. I think so. Overall, I think it was a disgraceful situation for the fans to do. Oh, yeah, I, I just think. The loved ones there, I come on, don't boo. And to me, I've seen this situation pop up. I, you know, people might get mad for me mentioning this, but pop up in wrestling too, just in terms of you know the performers having very shady past, but that their loved ones are there honoring them in the Hall of Fame. And I just think, out of respect, you just you you clap, you, and I think the boo when the you know person's there, I just think it's. It's just time and place. <laughs> time and place. I mean, it's not that serious. The loved one is there. Just, just have some a little bit of respect there and move on. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Well, and when you look at other franchises and what they've <laughs> not been able to accomplish, you know, not nearly as much. I mean, some teams don't have a championship. Some teams 
um, you know, like the Houston Rockets have have two titles yeah. and been, you know, maybe close a couple other times, but it's so rare to win that. Um, it's it, it comes across as also very spoiled as a fan base. I mean, I think uh, I think everyone agrees privilege. across the board. You don't boo yeah. the widow and, yeah. and all that is very elementary stuff, but it also comes across as kind of uh, a little bit spoiled. And you know oh, what? There are, are <laughs> yeah. tons. And, and and that's true. You should have high expectations, no doubt. But I think, um, apologies, lost my, my train of thought there. Uh, I think there are so many hot heads in sports that even that, that quote about Jerry Krause, I mean, yes, it's, it's fueled with ego and they mentioned that a lot in the last dance as well. Um, sports competitive sports is, is all about egos competing and that happens in the executive level as well as down on the court too. And I think the bulls are an example of that. I think the spirit that Michael Jordan created in that franchise is also a part of that. And a big Agreed. part of their greatness, of course, is that ego and that um, just willingness to compete and prove yourself the best over everyone around you. Yeah, no agreed. And I think it's privileged as well. And it's of a fan base that you just, Respect the team that was put together. And that includes Ryan Storff and that includes Kraus. And despite those feelings, they got, I mean, if they weren't there, I mean, would those titles be there? I don't think so. I, despite how much I feel about them, and trust me, I felt that way as a kid, not really understanding about ownership and management and just how things worked. I just knew they broke up my favorite team. And <laughs> I was angry about it and still had a, yeah. a lot of hard feelings. And that's why those feelings, when I read that on Twitter, it was just like my initial reaction was like, good. But then I think you have to be sensible about, hey, what's the situation here? Why are they being honored? And that's having, just having respect. And you're right. It is a, from a, a situation of privilege, 1,000%. Absolutely. It's, 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 uh, it's totally, it's totally was a privilege and spoiled response. You're right. Easily. Yeah. It's also a chance to celebrate just how awesome your own franchise is yeah. <laughs> that true. is then like flipped on its head. And now you have people talking like, Oh, you guys are worse than the New York and Boston fan bases and things yeah. like that. All because of this incident, which I think is a, That's a gross overgeneralization. I agree. But, Come on. Um, <laughs> you know, Come but on. you know, point being that this yeah. ring of honor thing becomes a huge negative rather than what should have been celebrating one of the most awesome dynasties, if not the most, in basketball history. It's going to stick to them. Like, this is a black mark for the organization. And the fans made that happen, in my opinion. Because, to me, I saw other responses to, like, you know, the organization should have prepped for this better. What did you expect? I don't blame them in that regard. Like, they're putting, like, they're putting the, or the event together. Um, but I just think in terms of how they just set this up in terms of eras. I think that should have been handled a little bit better, but you know, this will hurt the bulls dance a lot that this is not, this is going to be something that's going to stick with them. And, you know, we're in a society that, you know, we're in a microwave society. We forget things, but I have a feeling this is not going to leave them. And I think, you know, when there's going to be somebody honored, this is going to come back up. You're going to see it in like top 10 lists of like worst fan behavior. This will be on that list easily. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the incident with the widow in itself is, yeah. is pretty, um, pretty brutal yeah, <laughs> just to see, is. especially when you see just that short video clip and then you see, you know, her kind of weeping and, and everything I've, you know, <laughs> my, my heart goes out to her. Um, any other thoughts on Chicago? Um, I just think overall, like Julia said, she really put some thoughts in my mind when we were talking to her, like just to move on. Like I, it's cool to celebrate the nostalgia and just like the history, but also, and I think too, I think at least the fans have done a good job as coming to the games, still having great crowds. Like I watch on league pass, like even if the bulls are mediocre, how I feel about trading guys, whatever, the fans always show up and they want to cheer for their team and I just continue to do that and not just, you know, be fueled by just negative energy. And that's hard. I get it. I get the feelings. And to me, it's just like time and place. Like you watch the last dance, have at it. So, you know, have at it in terms of bashing management, you know, watch any documentary about the Bulls, sure. But I just think in terms of like honoring, just be grateful about what happens. Because you're right. A lot of franchises don't have a championship. None, six titles. I mean, in a lot of sports, they're struggling to get one. I mean, look For at sure. like look at the Buffalo Bills. I think a lot never do. Oh man, yeah. Oh, the Bills. I mean, oh. they won. Just, I mean, they're struggling. Just to, I mean, look at the '90s and look at the heartbreak recently. I mean, look at even like you and know the Kelly. Cowboys have five t- titles, but look at this. I mean, I mean, I I despise the Dallas Cowboys, but as an adult, I feel sorry for them. And look at the heartbreaking ways they've lost. And look with the with the Bulls. Six championships. Savor it when you have it, you know, because it goes away (laughs) so fast. I I was very young. I mean, I'm grateful I was alive when the Rockets won their titles, but it was a long time ago as well. And yeah, I mean, thankfully they've been a competitive franchise, but, but yeah, to your point, you just never know (laughs) when you're going to get lucky with that stuff and not. Um, My, my last thing to say about this, and then we can move on or if you have more, of course, go for it. But um whenever you do this, whether it's preseason, as you mentioned, or during the season, I just feel like you make sure Michael Jordan can be there. <laughs> like, like exactly. period, even <laughs> if you need to postpone right. it, I, I just feel like something like this. I mean, I know Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, given all that's going on between them, they probably can't be in the same room together. Um, there's so much beef between them, unfortunately, but if you can get like MJ and Phil Jackson out there, <laughs> I, th- I think you need those two to be there and then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Hopefully you can get obviously as, as many people as possible. Yeah. But first call is MJ. What's your schedule? When can, when can we do this? Easily. Ring of Honor? Agreed. No, and if it's agreed. inclement weather, you know, maybe we're able to postpone that. I don't know. Yeah. No, just um, it's unfortunate that it went that way too. Cause it should be a big celebration. It's something me, even not being a bulls fan, I have, I just would like to see that be a big thing because I have positive memories just of the basketball history implications of that. It's a black mark for sure. It's, it sucks. And I think I saw a video too, um, talking, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm trying to get them on as a guest because I think their thoughts were really interesting. Um, he does more political stuff too, but he was saying that the last dance maybe, you know, reveled up a lot more negative energy towards management too. And I'd be a contributor. I agree with that. And I would love to delve dive into that too, because that documentary is kind of, I don't know. I think the, the time that it came had a lot more just, 
it lives in the collective consciousness of society. I think compared to a documentary like you now it's different, but like the OJ Simpson documentary. I don't know if you remember that when that came out. I think you know there was a billion things happening. And it came and went, it won an Oscar and it's gone where I think the last dance, I think sticks a lot of people's minds just because of the pandemic, you know, a lot of younger fans didn't know about the team, I think still resonates to now. And I'd love to discuss just the ramifications of that documentary even to now. So, yeah, I mean, you look at, and I, I'm sorry, I don't want to dwell on this much longer, but no, you sure. look at like they zoom in on the last dance on that Scotty Pippen contract yeah. and like how bad of a deal that was for Pippen. If yeah. you look at that from the Jerry Krause side, you just made like one of the all time great signings ever. And yeah, that's unfortunate for Scotty Pippen, but that's, that's kind of the twist of looking at it from the management end too, is that you just stacked your team and left yourself so much flexibility to win all these titles and, and the results are there. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, Scotty Pippen able to do other things too and, and make money, but, um, but yeah, bad deal for him at the time. Great deal for Jerry Krause and the Bulls franchise. And they certainly benefited off of it, yeah. but it's a complicated thing. And I think the same thing applies when you're looking at what you just mentioned with management versus the players and yeah. in that no. perspective. So moving on, we'll, we'll move to something a little bit lighter since we went heavy on Chicago there. <laughs> we had a trade go down and it's a pretty exciting one. We had rumors of this yesterday and I had pinned something for it on our topic list. And then I had to change it out today because the trade actually went down. I thought we were going to be speculating about it and no lucky timing for us. The trade goes down. What trade, you ask? The Indiana Pacers, this is coming from Woj, breaking the Indiana Pacers are finalizing a trade to acquire all-star forward Pascal Siakam, New Mexico State alum, by the way, in a deal that will send Bruce Brown, Jordan Nuara, and three first-round picks to the Toronto Raptors. New Orleans will be a third team in the deal, sending Kira Lewis to the Raptors as well. So, Justin, I kind of just simply want your thoughts on this. First, the fit alongside Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana there. And then also, if you like this deal and some context here, Pascal Siakam, as we mentioned in previous episodes, has said he wants to test free agency if he's not being re-signed by Toronto. He felt very loyal to them. And so that is some context to apply here on the other side of that. You are the Indiana Pacers. So what do you think of the, the cost to bring in Pascal Siakam? Definitely by, by far the best piece of this deal. You know, I like the move. I always like teams taking a risk. I mean, again, not to make it about my team, but, you know, I mentioned that interview again um, with Julia. Great interview with her. She, she's been right. I mean, the bull sat and, Multiple trade deadlines did nothing. So I, and at any time that your team is making a move at the trade deadline to get better, I think it's a huge, huge situation. And just some foreshadowing, I don't want to jinx anything, but we might have some insider information about this trade and about how it's going to affect Indiana in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for about that. Um, hopefully I'm not jinxing anything. Um, but I think this is great for Indiana. I think you know, former guest of the show, uh, Corey Weldon. I think he he's very pumped up about this. I think it's a huge, huge um, positive for Indiana. I get the price, but the whole point is trying to win. 
and I think to improve and trying to attract other free agents to you um, if you can't necessarily build through the draft. And I think what Indiana did, I think it's a massive positive. Yep, I agree with all the points you made there. I do think uh, Indiana wins this team by way of getting the better player. There is a risk there that he does, that he is sincere and he leaves in free agency. But I think there are some similarities in terms of being like a small market team and uh, a fan base that can be really loyal um, to you and, and get behind you when comparing the Pacers to the Raptors. So maybe there's a good chance that it's a, a bit of a similar environment. Now, certainly very different between Toronto and Indianapolis, but maybe there is this chance that he gets similar vibes and wants to hang in with a diehard fan base like that. In any case, I like taking the risk. And I also will say that I like this move for Toronto as well, coming off an off season where they just let Fred Van Vliet walk. It's good to see them get some assets for Pascal Siakam. I don't know that they'll get equal value for this trade based on those picks. Obviously that's to be determined. Bruce Brown has a team option for next year. So he does come with a high price tag at the moment. I think he's making like 23 million a year, but it's a team option for next year if they want to clear the books or they can keep him around if he's a great fit. And then you have a lot you can do, of course, trade-wise and otherwise with those first-round picks. And we know that Masai Ujiri, the Raptors GM, is kind of a trade master. So I have I like the options that this gives to them in you know, what is still kind of a, a rebuilding phase for them trying to develop and grow Scotty Barnes at the moment. No, it's smart we've seen rebuilding through picks, how it can prove huge dividends. So like you said, I think for Toronto, even though it's a bummer to lose Pascal at the same time, you have to trust within an organization that, you know, the rebuild will be successful. And I think on the Indiana side, just one last thing, I, in terms of results that they might get this year, they've desperately needed a wing. So of course they, they get that with this deal, but I think it's safe to say this, gets them very close to being locked into the playoffs or like a, a top eight spot anyway in that Eastern Conference. No, I, I agree. So moving forward, and Justin, kudos to you because you found this clip, and I, I think it's fascinating to just watch and, and listen to. This is legendary women's college basketball coach Gino Ariema. And he gets asked a question by a reporter about NIL. I'm going to start uh, a little ways into the clip and just try to get you guys, you know, kind of the, the meat and potatoes of this clip so we don't have to listen to the full three minutes here. So here's Gino Ariema just talking about coach-player relationships since NIL and the transfer portal rules have become a thing. The average coach out there, though, who's not where I am, it's, you can't do your job anymore. And people can say, you got to change with the times. How, how does changing with the times help you have better relationships with your players when it's all transactional now? So what kind of relationship can you have with somebody that is telling you, I might be here one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, or I might be at four schools in four years. And it has nothing to do with the money. Forget the money part. This is about the, the ability that they can, you can just walk out anytime you want. 
So how do you how do you coach in an environment where the players feel like they owe you nothing and you owe them everything? What kind of- All right. So there's kind of the the main uh I would say soundbite from that interview. Um interestingly enough, Justin, when you sent it to me, it was from the retweet from Lauren Park and she says Woo, I still have eligibility left, so I'm going to just save my comments. Justin, uh, you sent the clip to me, so I'll go yeah. ahead and, and let you take the lead on this. I, I definitely have some some strong thoughts on this, too, and, and we might have some disagreements here, so sure. it'll be interesting. But I, I think this is a complicated topic. I, I think everyone would agree on with NIL and, and how things are developing Gino Ariema, as you well know, but just for the listeners, I mean, legendary Legend. women's college basketball yeah. coach and has been around a long, long time. It was <clears throat> it was him versus Pat Summit, you know, back in the 90s building women's college basketball. So a guy who has seen a lot and done a lot in the sport. Um, anyway, I'm sorry to. <laughs> no, you're this. right. Go no. for it, Justin. So I'm sensitive to the players in the situation. Um, full disclosure, former guest of the show, J.R. Giddens. I think he was on our show twice, I think, at least once. Um, we I, we were a part of like the same um, college class, and we, you know, we took a class in uh, Mexico. And then I knew of him in terms of just him being a, a player for the Lobos, but got to understand, I wouldn't call it us friends or anything, but... I got to understand where he was coming from, from a player perspective. And somebody who was a transfer from Kansas, from Kansas, Am I right? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And a McDonald's All-American. And I think he had to sit out a year before he could, is, am I mistaken on that? When he came to New Mexico? I, yeah, I, I believe he transferred officially like towards the end of a season not mistaken and had to sit that out and then start the next year gotcha so he was telling his stories about why he's at kansas and i think as fans we have a thing in our minds of athletes being in a privileged position they get everything they get all you know the girls and they get you know all the perks and everything you don't realize the sacrifices that they have to make and especially within college where that is a full-time job so like when we went to college, just imagine, <clears throat> you know, we have classes and then you probably work in like a work study job just to make some money on the side. But here, let's call it sports. That is a 365 job. I mean, you have some breaks in between, but I think for high um, caliber athletes, you're training, I would say mostly yearly. You're working out mostly yearly. You have off season workouts. It's not, it's not a situation where the season takes place and it's over, right? It's just like, well, I just have a break and that's it. You're, you're playing pretty much year-round for a lot of these elite sports, give or take. <clears throat> I think with Gino and the rest of those comments, it's very privileged of him. I think it's very – the power has gone to the players. And personally, I love it because to me, I think it's a situation where players now, when they get to a situation where we've seen coaches – be abusive and talk to their players in any kind of way, they're not going to take it anymore. You know what? Like if you're a top recruit and you're going to talk to them in any kind of way, I'm transferring. See ya. <laughs> Goodbye. And you better treat them right. 
or else they are going to leave. And I understand kind of, and this goes to kind of like how coaching should be, right? Like hard ass versus compassionate. But at the same time, seeing the players have this type of power and seeing them also have it to where they can make money and capitalize on this whole thing about like amateurism and just like players should just be grateful for education. I just think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I really do. If you, from a math standpoint, like let's just say what I'm like a scholarship for a major school. What isn't that probably around like 30 grand per semester or something like that for like an elite school. Depends on the school. Depends yeah. on the school, but we're talking just like USC or UCLA or something. that's going to be more like 50 grand. There you go. So let's just call it 50. Do the math. 50 times four, figure it out. Like that's still lower than what the net television networks, what the organizations making off even a Caitlin Clark, <laughs> Caitlin Clark should be paid millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> she should. If you take a look at how much attention she brought to not only the network ESPN, Iowa, the fans that were drawn to that game that was played, I think in Nebraska. I don't know if you saw that. Um, it's kind of at the highest attended women's basketball game ever. That's because of Caitlin Clark. <laughs> like, I don't understand the difference. And to, to, to label it as, well, she's a college athlete is bogus. I mean, at, at that point, like, what about child actors? Like, they shouldn't be paid for what they're working just because they're 12. Like, that's <laughs> to me, that's, I think it's ridiculous. Now, should there be regulation in terms of like the transfer portal and NIL? Sure. I think it would help to have more regulations in terms of tightening it up and making sure that it's a lot more equal and just making sure it's tight. It's, I would say, not the Wild West. I do agree with that. But to me, in terms of the players having autonomy in the situation, I, I love it. And I personally take pleasure in his in Oriama's displeasure. I do. I enjoy it because I, I know what he's saying. He's saying, like, I, want, I, I lost the ability just to treat my players in, in a disrespectful manner. And get away with it. So <laughs> the shoe's on the other foot. And to me, I take glee and pleasure in his misfortune in this situation, in my opinion. Yeah. I so all right, a lot to unpack there. Um oh, not sure where to start. I went on a rant. Not, no, 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 that's okay. I like the rant. Um so I I don't know um the history of every Yukon women's roster. Sure. I Gino doesn't strike me as a guy who is uncaring about his players. I, Agreed. I don't think he would have the track record that he has had if it was just known that, like, this guy's a jerk. He's going to treat you like garbage if, if you come here. Um, well, I, I don't know. Night. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, and there's, there's a little I, – I think there's a difference, you know, when you're coaching males versus coaching females, like – just Sorry. to be clear, like I, I do Sorry. think you're probably going to have to be more compassionate if if you're coaching a women's basketball team compared to a men's. Um, but again, yeah, you you probably shouldn't be throwing chairs at your players either. No. <laughs> but no. Bobby Knight did have a lot of success. In it fairness, is. different different times. Yeah. Um. Anyway, don't don't want to get too um sure. too derailed here. But so he, here's the thing, and. This, this whole topic is is complicated. What I would say initially is that the players have been given the power, the rules have changed. And so from my perspective, I don't blame them for taking advantage of those rules. 
I would likely do the exact same thing. Of, of course, look for your best interests in that moment. In, in terms of like making earnings, a lot of the people scoring big, maybe not the biggest, but big NIL deals, they might not be having those same opportunities after they're done playing. They might not be going to professional sports afterwards. I mean, there's there's like gymnasts making a lot of money off of NIL, and we don't know what their earning potential is after that. Uh, college sports is run like a big business, and I think therein lies the main problem that I have with all of this. And I, I think um, a player-coach relationship, and I, I'm someone who does – very, very amateur, very, very young youth sports. So I, I feel like very minusculely <laughs> tied to this a little bit. But a player-coach relationship should be um, should be special and, and should be something where both get to learn and grow from that experience. And we don't see that with controlling coaches. That's not beneficial to the player side. You know, it's kind of like a spectrum. And I think there are valid points that Gino makes here that there's a little bit of a give and take that's now missing that's on the player side. And, you know, certainly a lot of people, I mean, you, you read the comments from this video, I would say the vast majority of people feel that the players they're, they're happy for the players having all the cards there. What I will say to try to keep it as objectively as I can if I'm just looking at this as like a college sports fan, like, hey, I just want to turn on the Lobos game on Saturday and see what's going on. I do think the rules are bad for the product that's out there on the court, the narratives that are being built. I'll, I'll take a women's basketball, for example. We had a, one of the most exciting tournaments, I would say, I think it's fair to argue, and the ratings back it up that we've had in a long, long time. You mentioned Caitlin Clark. She was a huge part of that. Maybe the, the biggest part of that, you could argue. Another big part was in the title game. Angel Reese was there nice. on, right. on a stacked um, right. LSU team. Another big part was Louisville had Haley Von Lith, who, who I've also kind of like followed where hers, her career is going. One thing to me that was a huge bummer, and a lot of people don't care, that's fine. You can disagree with me. But she announces like right away after the postseason, she's going to LSU. So she's like teaming up and we have like now a less interesting Louisville team. Now, it's within the rules. If she thinks that's in her best interest, great. You know, more power to her. I don't blame her for going and uh, making that decision. Like I said, if I'm a player, I'm going where my best opportunity is to earn and to excel for my future professional life. Um, I think to, to kind of wrap this up, because I could talk about this all day, it really feels more and more to me, look, not all the players are benefiting off of NIL. I, I think NIL is acting still as kind of a mask. You mentioned or, or kind of allude to, Justin, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but you allude to kind of this feeling of corruption, you know, the fat cats getting richer. Sure versus the players not having right. anything. To me, NIL feels like this is a way to just make, and, and good for the players for earning, but this is a way to just kind of make people feel a little bit better about the, the corruption that is still present yeah. in the system. Now, it won't happen 
my suggestion would be we need to have a minor league and maybe in some way it can be like loosely tied to the school somehow maybe you can have the athletic department be like its own professional organization tie tied away from education um that would be my solution to it to pay players across the board with the point that it's gotten to now and you could certainly afford to do it and not have college be such a joke so so i'm not saying that i don't want talented athletes that are marketable to be paid. I do want that. But the way it is right now, it's still this weird in-between and corrupt system. And I sympathize a little bit more, I would say, with Gino maybe than most people that I've seen in the comments and and certainly your side of the argument um, in that I, I think the relationship is very shattered. And that may have been on the coaches first before these rules um, came out in fairness. So it, like I said, a spectrum, it can go both ways. Well, and if, what if you're a player before these rules took place, you get signed by Gino and what if you don't get along with him and that, and it may not be even Gino's fault. I mean, to play devil's advocate, I mean, it, it doesn't work out and it might be a situation sure. where sometimes people don't mix. Yeah. If you don't like the player and then if the player doesn't like the coach, goodbye, it's, it's over. And I think it's interesting. What's fascinating about NIL is that and it kind of goes with the transfer portal. And I noticed we, when we had, we had Blaine Crane of the Daily Wire a couple of years ago. He mentioned this. We just ran out of time. I think we didn't want to take up too much of his time. But I wish we had like an hour so he can explain why it was bad for college football. Because he was kind of going into it. I don't know if you remember that, Matt. Like mm -hmm. he mentioned it. And I just I thought that was really fascinating because, you know, I'm, I watch more college football now. But back then, I just I was really curious to see what was taking place because he was very adamant about like how it was just destroying college football, mm -hmm. and I feel like with specifically NIL, it's interesting because you don't have you have you have like kind of three things happening, right? You have like your Caitlin Clark's, the gymnast you mentioned from LSU, they get a deal from whatever clothing brand or company, and then you have an entity like the like WWE. I don't know if you heard about this. They're signing athletes to NIL deals. And in fact, one of them, he graduated. Um, I forgot which college he went to, but now he's one of the champions of their developmental system. Like they're paying them while they're in school. They signed them and then they're trying to get them to cross over into WWE. And I'm wondering, you know, I think the UFC is kind of playing with that a little bit too, but mm -hmm. I, that is a very interesting situation in terms of getting a cross-branded um, number of athletes in different sports, signing them to deals, and then getting those people. It's kind of like you're signing them to, like, I don't know, like a promise deal kind of. It's kind mm -hmm. of a weird situation. Kind of like an ambassador deal. Like, I yeah. know also, like, Barstool Sports has, I yep. think, had yep. NIL deals with people yep. and it's kind of part of their coverage. So yep. it's, it's interesting. Yep. And some it of is. that, I even like the creativity. Of. Me too. And I think another thing too, that's really interesting. that could level the playing field is these schools. Now it's very questionable because I saw the di I don't know if you saw this, the story that real sports did on HBO. Um, just side note, sad that real sports is no longer there, but um, they did a story on BYU. And I think it was a uh, granola company or a sports bar company. They sponsored mm -hmm. BYU and the granola company. I think they covered the scholarships, even for the walk-ons and just like any kind of the redshirt freshman, any of them 
right? They covered their scholarships. And I think that's interesting where you might have schools that might have these big, powerful, small businesses team up with them in a legal fashion and they cover the cost and they might entitle a student that might, you know, have to struggle just to be a walk-on on a major school. They can get a full-ride scholarship at a smaller school by NIL. So I think that is fascinating too. But overall, I like the power for the players. So far, what I have seen in terms of the cons, I'm not really sympathetic, <laughs> to be honest. And I think a lot of those can be rectified. But like you were saying, Matt, you're right. This is just a cover for, you know, these schools ultimately not paying their their athletes and they're making tons of money. So um, I think it's a good step in the right direction in terms of NIL and the transfer portal. But I do think there needs to be regulation there. Um, we have a friend of ours who um, coaches track who, you know, he's very prevalent in terms of just giving us information, just in terms of like how the transfer portal works. And it's, it's tons of players in there. And so I'm down for more regulation. Um, I'm down to kind of see kind of from the coach's aspect of getting into the weeds of why this might be a negative for them. But from those comments from Gino Ariema, I just think it's very privileged of him. In my opinion, that's why I kind of took that hard stance. It just seemed very much of a privileged response. And kind well, of can't get off my lawn. And in, in fairness, he does say in the beginning of the clip that I, I skipped past to get to the, the meat and bones of it. He does say, I don't have to worry about these problems. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Like yeah. my players are very loyal. He, he yeah. says what he is expressing here, I assume based on what he led with is things he's hearing from his fellow coaching peers. Sure. The conference and coaches are tight. Billy, that, that is yeah. a tight knit fraternity even rival coaches and, and things like that. They're all they're, they're loyal to the league. No, it's true. I mean, for fans that may not know, especially within college sports, it doesn't really matter with pro sports, but college, it really, you're kind of tied into the teams that you're playing. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, I think as we've gotten older, I think we've, I, I can speak for myself, took for granted the Mountain West as it was when we were in college. Like all of those schools when we had, you know, Utah, BYU, UNLV, San Diego State, New Mexico, and to see those schools leave and those rivalries be gone, it's devastating. It sucks. And I think we see, you know, when Alfred's coaching, I mean, you saw what you were saying, Matt, those coaches have a affinity for each other, despite wanting to like, you know, <laughs> embarrass each other on the court, you know, as you know, oh, yeah. or on the court. But I think the bond is to making sure that the conference is strong. And so just to that point, I, I, to your point, man, I think that's absolutely correct. I, I, I think, you know, Gino's hearing from his, his fellow colleagues about, you know, the, the negatives of this the transfer portal for sure. Yep. So would be curious, as always, to know your guys' thoughts. If you're watching or listening with us, where do you fall on this? Where do you fall on who won that Pascal Siakam trade? Do you take SGA over Luca? Are you team Shaq or team uh, everybody else? It seems. Are you um, also give us your thoughts on the Bulls' legacy and maybe yeah. how they could have handled that better for their Ring of Honor um, ceremony there? Justin, anything else before we call it a day? No, um, just a plug. Check out our archive of interviews. I mean, we we really work hard to make sure that all the teams in the league are covered. Um, I think that's important to our show. So check that out. We have interviews with authors, our past, just um, 
library of interviews going back all the way since 2020. So just, uh, if you're bored, got some time, got some chores, just go check it out. Find it on iTunes, Spotify, and on YouTube as well. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, as always, for your support. Peace out. See ya. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.